0: Dublin. Welcome to the
1: Quarantine Tapes, a daily podcast from Onassis, LA and Dublin. Hosted by Paul Holdengraver, this series chronicles shifting paradigms in the era of social distancing. Hello, could speak with Aman Nafei? That is he. Arman, what a pleasure to have you on this call. Thank you so much for taking the time for being part of the Quarantine Tapes, which is co-presented by Onassis LA and DubLab. Tell me, Aman, how have you been living these last 14 delirious months, and where might I find you?
0: Well, uh, the last... 14 months were quite adventurous, to say the least, um, I think for all of us. I was in Los Angeles, where I technically live, um, during the first lockdown, and then I slowly managed my way back to Europe. So from last summer onwards, I was in Paris, I was in Milan, I was in Berlin, I was in Cologne. Now I'm in Ibiza, um, and hopefully I'll stay here. <laughs> Throughout the summer, we shall see. But yeah, I just kind of went with the circumstances and, you know, just flowed along.
1: When, when you say you, you, you're you technically in Los Angeles, how do you mean that? <laughs> how do you mean that? that?
0: I still have my house there and the plan is to return this fall. But my work with the Chateau Maman, I've been the music director for Andre Balas for the past 10 years. And the reason why I live in Los Angeles is because of the Chateau Maman. And we were working on a project for a private club, which was our first business together. And that obviously is now on hold. So the main reason why I was in L.A. is kind of on hold right now. But I do still feel the urge to return (laughs) because it became my home over the past few years.
1: I I shouldn't be one to talk about accents, I I suppose, Um, (laughs) considering that I'm I'm a little bit of a linguistic monster, Uh, but in in you I hear a German accent with a a very un-German name. So <laughs> yes. so if you could if you could help for our listeners unpack mm-hmm. amen Ar- for us yeah um, uh, in in terms of both um where you're from originally and perhaps where your parents are from and mm-hmm. how it came about that you speak the way you do <laughs>
0: um well i am persian hence the persian name my parents are from iran but I was born in Cologne, Germany, hence the German-infused accent. But I went to an English school and moved to London when I was seventeen, and then at the age of twenty-five, moved to New York. So my accent kind of adapts to my environment. Um, it's a little bit of everything in there, and even though, especially living in the when I was living in the UK, I was trying to have a more British accent, I guess, in a way, which would never happen—at uh, least not fully. But now I actually embrace this multicultural, gypsy, <laughs> like vagabond kind of accent because it kind of—that's who I am. That's my story. That's my life story. It's like having scars on your body. So I actually embrace it, and it also reflects in my 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 musical taste and knowledge and interest which is very broad and very eclectic and very worldly and that's, i think a nice representation so i i'm standing with my accent these days
1: <laughs> how about you well well you know i i um, <laughs> how, uh, now you you're turning the tables on me well you know i <laughs> yes. I, I, I know that, uh, yeah, <laughs> <Come> Holdengraber <on. laughs> with an um, umlaut on top of it all yes, and, and you exactly. know w- where is he from and people ask me this question all the time and i Tell them I wish I knew, but the the, the, <laughs> the point is my, my parents were Austrian from Vienna, my grandparents were, my, mm-hmm. my grandparents were Russian mm-hmm. and Romanian, my sister was born in Mexico City. And I, as you can probably tell immediately, I was born in Houston, Texas, where I spent four very important days. The memory of which is slight. <laughs> so, as I often say, nothing that ten or twelve or maybe fifteen years of therapy can't help or cure. But, <laughs> but, it, it, but it hasn't happened yet. Now, back to you, um, because, <laughs> because I know the tricks of the trade. Back to you, your your parents. Emigrated from Iran?
0: Yes. So basically, before the revolution, uh, I think the first part of my family already in the late 50s headed to Germany, they're all doctors and they settled there. Um, and then my father went back for the revolution and then came back to Germany. And they've been never returned since the revolution in 79. So they've been in Germany ever since. My sister and I were born in Germany, and well, she was born in the UK, but uh, yeah, grew up in Germany.
1: And uh, pretty much,
0: it. I uh,
1: and from your parents, mm. what was handed down to you in terms of you know both perhaps literary taste, musical taste, culture in a broad yeah. in a broad way. I, mm-hmm. I, I heard for instance in, in one of your podcasts and we'll come to that of course mm-hmm. you, <laughs> you you mentioned Hafiz. So I'm I imagine that world um sits on yeah. your shoulders in some way.
0: Absolutely. I mean uh I come from a very happy and intellectual family and I'm very, very fortunate for that. My dad is I think, twenty years older than my mom, but he was always a quiet intellectual he was a journalist Is a journalist. Um, surrounded by books. We always in in the in Persian culture. We uh, you always have big gatherings. Which as a child, I didn't really. I didn't obviously. You know, you don't want to participate. You want to be hanging out with adults when you're a kid. But now in hindsight, uh, knowing what it was, it was so incredible to have this rich history in your living room, sitting there, uh, we're talking about like twenty, thirty grown-ups, poets, musicians, writers politicians, I mean, all kinds of people and they're just reciting uh, half Fest or, uh, you know, talking about politics and playing music and having wonderful conversations and delicious food that my mom was literally cooking for two days straight um, and having that heritage now being a so-called adult <laughs> um, I, I, I appreciate and I understand more and uh, so I was very very fortunate and I think that obviously played a big role or plays a big role in my life and um, that's like the more Persian side but then my mom always introduced me or my uncle as well at a very young age to classical music there was a lot of classical music in our household um, and that also played a big role in my life subconsciously and consciously and I can tell the older I get the more I am like them So which is not a bad thing but yeah here we are
1: here we are and and take us now to from ibiza Take us now uh, mm-hmm. to to where I am in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. to to what you, you 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 work as a directeur d'ambiance. A fantastic title. Uh, for the, yeah. for, 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 for I, I'd like to have a title like that when I grow up. <laughs> yeah. um, for, for, the, for the Chateau Marmont, uh, which itself has changed hands, I, I believe recently. So I'm I'm just curious what that is, if you could describe it, because it certainly feels like a position uh, that Aman uh, Nafey invented.
0: <laughs> yes, it pretty much is. Uh, I, I mean, my official title always was, uh, I was hired when I was 25 for the Boom Boom Room at the Standard Hotel in New York City. I was li- I was living in London, but I was hired by Andre uh, for the as, as a music director, not knowing what even a music director is and does. And also back then, You know, there were maybe not even a handful of people that I knew who were music directors, meaning making sure that your brand, your space, whatever, has a specific sound and kind of taking care of that, like a designer, like an architect and having a DNA. So that's how it started. But then my role and combined with my personality, it kind of morphed into something else because it was not just music. I was, you know, I was also a host. I was also... Make sure the lighting is right the, the, the guests are happy the curation of the guests the curation of the music the curation of the, um, of, the of the food and beverage you know uh, so all these things start to play in uh, I guess that's also part of my Persian heritage and culture hospitality is, is number one and uh, as I say like Persian culture is the most hospital culture in the world and uh, for a reason I mean they go to insane land to take care of their guests so that kind of morphed. And at some point, André introduced me as his first cultural attache at some point and then uh, into a director of uh, ambiance. And I was like, well, director of ambiance in English sounds stupid. So I was like, let's make it, juge it up and call it director d'ambiance. It's so much better. <laughs> so it became my thing and I'm sticking to it. And it kind of is silly and also very, in my opinion, very... A light and very uh, something very intangible you know what is a director d'ambiance what is ambiance I mean that's the first question we ask uh, it's something so airy and fluffy but yet so important but most places and most people don't pay attention to these little details and that's why a lot of failures happen you know or why some events or some moments in your life were so Special and significant is because the ambience was right
1: in, so, in, yeah. in a way that's what you you remember
0: that left a mark in your life in your memory yeah I mean that's creating these little moments these little pockets of joy that people take away for the rest of their life I mean that's priceless you know we all have them
1: we all have them but not particularly now
0: uh, not particularly now but we do have uh, memories and moments of the now which we will take with us And even in the darkest moments, I I always see something positive. And and in a way, what a moment to be alive. And I mean, we all, I hope, who also is listening, we've been very fortunate in a way uh, to kind of, in a way, get away with it all and to see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know? And, yeah, I mean, uh, what do we have left if we don't have positivity?
1: and in you know. a, in a way um and it it seems to me that this is a beautiful segue to what you <laughs> what, to what you created um a little over a year ago which is yeah. namely this podcast called are we on air which i've had the pleasure to listen to um in preparing to speak to you so perhaps you could give me a sense of of why why this undertaking and as a good dish might be, what the ingredients are, and what you're searching for through this uh, kind of um, auditory uh, pleasure you're trying to offer listeners, what you're trying to achieve yeah. with this. At this moment, at this juncture, because I see it Mm -hmm. as emanating really from this moment. And of course, with all the background you were describing, namely the classical music you grew up with, the music and culture, generally speaking, perhaps even the food and a certain form of hospitality.
0: Yeah, uh, I I think uh, r and and also the quarantine tape pretty much launched at the same time, early last year also with our friends at Up Radio. I think that's where our, our connection is as well. And uh, the idea of We on Air kind of appeared a year before that, which, because being director at the Chateau, I, I meet all these wonderful and great creative minds from all different fields, from different generations, and being fortunate enough to have the access and also have the access to have conversations, meaningful conversations, with these people, be it in the garden, by the lobby bar, or by the piano. I was like, why not record these conversations, and these people that I work with or that come through my life, and share that access and that knowledge and the stories with the wider audience, with the public. So, I already had like two, three interviews. I started a couple of interviews end of 2019, and they were already, I was very fortunate and lucky enough to have Patty Smith, Julian Schnabel, and Too Many DJs as my first episodes because I just had, they were just there, I just had access to them, I reached out, and the, the plan was not to launch the series in spring 2020, but with the lockdown, I was like, now is the moment, everybody's at home, everybody's scared, everybody's worrisome, including myself, and I was like, why not share this little little ball of energy, of positive energy, right. and hopefully bring some glimpse and some hope and Somehow a little escape from the from the darkness of the uncertainty that we all had in March, April, May last year. We did not know what this is. So it was very uncertain. A lot of things have changed. A lot of people were let go and uh, scared to catch this virus, whatever it is and whatever it was. So I thought, okay, now let's share this this privilege with the world. And, and honestly, the feedback from a lot of strangers since then, it's been heartwarming, honestly, like people reaching out to me, thanking them for sharing in such an intimate and personal way. It's, because it's not really a Q and i I'm not interviewing. I'm not, in, I'm not a journalist. I just kind of record what I have always been experiencing or these moments, these pockets of joy that I experience for myself or for people who are in the spaces in those moments with me that I was able to share this with the world. And, Getting that feedback was, for me, and is for me, the greatest, the greatest joy, and uh, and and my little, my little way to share uh, some love.
1: <laughs> so Armin, if I had to ask you this question, which might come to you as a total surprise, could you <laughs> could you describe yourself with three songs? <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know why I uh, exposed my guest to this question, but basically the idea is i have like around 10 questions and it's very chronologically like from what's the earliest significant musical memory to how would you describe yourself with three songs or three records and then we go into the subject of who they are and then we close it with um, some closing questions but the idea is music is such a visceral medium that it's it's very challenging to describe yourself with three songs, and it's indefinite. And the soundtrack of your life changes throughout your life.
1: So try. So, three... try so try now to do that for yourself. <laughs> yes. Don't don't yes. don't don't think for one moment <laughs> that I will let yes. you, that I will let you get away with just telling yeah. me what you <laughs> yes. do on your show, Aman. Uh, yeah, le- I would, le- I would... le- let me repeat my question. <laughs> describe yourself with three songs.
0: Uh, okay, um, I would choose. Either a track by Pavarotti or Maria Callas, because that's what my uncle and my mom would listen all day, every day when I was growing up. Um, I would probably pick—I um, don't know which track, but maybe um, you know, let's go very obvious. Let's go Nessun Dorma with Pavarotti, because it's just why not add some drama and start this little Italian drama. Um, so let's use Nessum Dorma. Then I would go with something disco because disco plays a big role in my sound and in my life and what I listen to. And it's it's an upper. It's very positive. It's good energy. Um, and disco. It's not genre. It's not a genre in my opinion. It's more of a an energy and a feel. Um, again, millions of tracks. Uh, I would probably pick something by Teddy Pendergrass. Incredible voice incredible energy sad ending but he just had there was so much sexiness and beautiful energy behind his music Um, which track would I choose by him let's have a look why don't we have a look (laughs) Um, and then as a third track I would probably go with If I Ever Feel Better by Phoenix which is this indie rock pop band uh, from France um, because that's my go-to heartbreak song It's if I ever feel better again it's such a beautiful fun upbeat song but the lyrics are also a nice pick-me-up when you're heartbroken or if you're down it's, it's nice to have a confidant or in general if you have a confidant in find a confidant in music and having someone talk about what they've been through which sounds similar to what you've been through is it's a helpful crutch and having good upbeat music behind it is even better instead of a downer so those will be my three
1: cracks yeah the 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 music what you just said the music helps you understand that you're not alone. And what was interesting about your your first choice, but particularly thinking about Maria Callas, is that that was very much uh, the music that Marina Abramovic chose. And I recall mm-hmm. I recall many many years ago when I had the pleasure of interviewing Patti Smith at the New York Public Library. The very mm-hmm. the very first thing we spoke about was her love of Maria Callas and how. When she is in Milano, she tries to stay in the very suite where Maria Callas stayed. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, oh, so, wow! So, yeah. so, so, uh, also music in in a way, and perhaps in this moment in time, as a way of hearkening back to the past.
0: Mm, uh, just to quickly go back to Patty, uh, her her song, her earliest significant musical memory that she chose was also Madame Butterfly on Beldi, but by Elena Steva. Right. So it's interesting that she talks about Maria with you, uh, but that's cool. The
1: the, um, the music, in a way, is is you know in, in this calamitous time we're living through, the music mm. is what we can hold on to that br- brings brings us back memories of the past. And you were mentioning before um, your relationship with with Dublab, um, and I'm, mm. I'm I'm curious how how you think about Dublab. You know, in in terms of it being unaffiliated in, in many ways and truly fearfully independent
0: well I know how challenging it is being independent but I also know how fulfilling it is to be independent so I think that's what makes subla so special and you know and I think we have now a two-year relationship before that I, I was I always came every few weeks when I discovered some very interesting records through my searches and discoveries and I, I just came to play them uh, on, on the radio to share them with the world and with Ale <laughs> And, um, you know, if that freedom also allows something like this to happen. Whereas if it's dependent, it's a bit more rigid and it has to be by nature become more corporate in a way where it's a bit more linear. Uh, so it's a double-edged sword, obviously, Um, But I think places such as SubLab are very, very important for creativity, for uh, an underground voice to exist. And these places were analog, and now they're digitalized, but they do need to exist.
1: Tell me about the passion I understand you have, uh, perhaps uh, incurable, for collecting records.
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't think I have any addictions (laughs) But uh, I do like beautiful objects and that also includes uh, collecting rare or interesting records to me. And I do like, uh, as a storyteller myself, I do like when it has history and when it has patina and when it has a story to tell. Um, Actually, one of my actually two shows I did on Doublet radio. One was uh, I bought Hugh Hefner's
1: jazz record collection. Yes, at auction. yes. Tell, and, uh, and, and, and I, I heard about this through the grapevine. Yeah. Tell me about that. Tell,
0: Hi, Ale. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, yeah I, I, I always look at auction uh, houses. Oh, i mean, not talking about We're talking more like smaller ones. And then by chance, I saw on my friend's Insta story, he was at the Hefner, you know, there's a preview, you can look at, you know, it's like an exhibition, you see what's, yeah. what's on for sale. Yeah. And I saw the, uh, the membership card from Hefner. It was just a state auction. And I saw one of the items was this 3D54 membership card. And at that time, because of my little private club that I was building at the Chateau, I thought that would be a cool reference to have. And because the idea was to have some sort of membership card, idea, whatever it is. So that's why I registered. And then on the second page, I saw basically his record collection. And what most people don't know, Hefner was a huge jazz aficionado. Yeah. And he was a pioneer in uh, music and also playing and showing black musicians on U.S. television in the 50s, which, you know, and mixed uh, in, in a white program. And that was kind of revolutionary. That was new. And so course my eyes were on the price and there were different lots but i yeah i was very fortunate i it were only like three four bits on it and i got a hundred records 100 jazz records with personal notes and letters in between and also the rhythm and blues section as well um and yeah i mean incredible what and is, I, I what is uh, your
1: favorite mm, I, what is your favorite item in in that collection there are a lot
0: of but one of them and here's that's where I guess the circle comes round again and closes. There was one record by Dizzy Gillespie and on the back it said um it was a handwritten note by Hefner, just a little comment where it said, um uh, I think it was something like it's too loud, too shrill, it's not up to par. So obviously it was he was a huge Dizzy fan. There's a lot of Dizzy Gillespie records. But this one in particular was it was live uh, I forgot which record it was. But uh the track and I'll never forget that. I played it at Doublet Radio. And that's when Ali was interviewing me. So that beca- became the background song while we were talking. And the song is called Our Love is Here to Stay. And when I re listened to that episode of me playing that set and Ali and I talking, that song somehow got stuck in my subconscious somewhere. So when I came around to look for my intro song for Are We On Air, that was immediately came. This is the song without even knowing what track exactly it was, but I remember that sound I was after. And that is the show's intro theme. Right,
1: right, right. (laughs) Uh, uh, um, (laughs) Amazing how things can come back as an echo. I love it. Uh, I love it. (laughs) And you know, Dizzy, Dizzy, perhaps speaking about joy and those pockets of joy you were talking about uh, just Mm. a few moments ago, there is one record of Dizzy where joy is just so prevalent and there's mm. such pleasure in it it's a record that dizzy gillespie did when he was in the south of france at the Côte d'Azur. Mm. i don't know if you know it but it is just so um um with chifrin it is so beautiful um i i highly highly recommend it in closing very sadly might i add um and i'm i'm wondering on your podcast which is which is mm. just a year old at this point which would you say was the most surprising response you got
0: that's a good question because you would think it's of course the biggest name on the lineup and again the part the the part of curation of the lineup is what is just as interesting to me as the music itself and the conversations and I do want to catch a broad spectrum of guests and audience so that's why it's, I keep it very diverse but there were a lot of great surprises and for me I think personal highlights of course was being in Paris with Jane Birkin in her home I mean that for me that will stay with me forever that was incredible um, but I think the most surprising response from I think in terms of listenership and feedback ah, oh, there's so many which one would I choose? <laughs> That's a good question. I have to think about this. Um, you know, what? It, might, it, it, it might be um, my friend, the artist, she's from Los Angeles. Her name's is Ariana Papati Metropolis. I was quite surprised at the feedback and the interest in her. She's a, she's a great artist, up and coming as well. She's represented by Vito Schnabel and shows at Deitch and a face of Gucci and it does beautiful beautiful art and her world her orbit that she created is, she lives that life I mean she is that person it's not a character or something it's very very old Hollywood me uh, I don't even know how to describe it The atmosphere, work you have to see her. it's incredible but I think people were really interested in what she because music obviously it's part of her orbit of her universe I think people were very interested in her what her sound is so i think that did really well i was surprised about i mean it was a great episode but i was surprised by the interest in it that was great um, and it's been <laughs>
1: such a pleasure to to talk with you and um i hope when you when you return to uh, what technically is uh, your home uh, <laughs> we, we 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 meet we meet when when we can again see each other um more than Absolutely. more than just virtually Um, absolutely have have a good time in ibiza it must be hard and i send you all my very very best and thank you for this moment in time
0: paul it's been a real pleasure and i hope i'll be able to interview you when we see each other in los angeles well let's um yeah let's see (laughs) in the meantime i'll enjoy this glass of rosé and the sunset and i send my love regards to los angeles
1: all the best all the best take good care (laughs) (laughs) bisbal you too Bye, bye. Bye bye.
0: Bye.
1: To support this show and Dublab's progressive programming, go to dublab.com slash support.